the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. With Rob Black. Black. I'm Rob Black. <clears throat> Welcome in to Stock Talk. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. One of the goals on talking about socks and sectors and investing, hopefully on the show, will be to try to highlight areas that you know, we can see some developing money plays, some developing investment ideas. So one of the ones that I want to highlight, and I've already highlighted kind of once, I want to say. So is it worth doing again? I think it is. Um, is esports. 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 Like, oh my. Let's start thinking about that for just a second. And it is exactly what it sounds like. Electronic sports. It's like an electronic cigarette, which I've never smoked, but I can't imagine is very fulfilling. But that's up to someone else to decide. So there's actually your kid who played Pac-Man, probably now almost 50 and living at home, but your kid who played Call of Duty, League of Legends, maybe they're onto something. The IOC, the International Olympic Committee, you know the one, the one where Bruce Jenner ran around the track and... Da, 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 da. Michael Phelps, da, 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 da. the female Olympic uh, gymnastics team. You know, da. it's 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 the IOC is considering adding electronic sports video games. Now you don't have to bring your own quarters. I'm sure you get as many tokens as you want. But esports has proven that it is no longer something that can be shrugged off or laughed at. It is now for mainstream athletes. Competing, competitive gaming. I was watching, and I wish I could curse on this show. No bull. I was watching ESPN, or I was watching, uh, no, it was actually Comcast. I was watching uh, soccer. And uh, during one of their commercial breaks, they talked about how esports is going to be on this weekend. And it looked like a big driving game. I don't know. I'm a little unhep when it comes to details on video games, which one's the cool one right now. But competitive gaming has shifted from live streams on the internet 
Amazon bought a company called Twitch a couple of years ago. It's now to- shifted to ESPN and to TBS. Um, so it's not just jump online and watch a video game. Now it's jump on television and watch a video game. Again, my analogy of it's almost like having a bird chew the baby's going out and capturing a worm, chewing it up and then dropping it in or vomiting it into her baby's mouth for nutrition. Ah. Same thing. Let's sit on a couch to watch a video game. Eh? Seemingly no one and everyone is starting to get aware of this. Um, and people want a piece of pie. And some people are saying, I don't want pie in electronic sports. So there's collegiate leagues forming with scholarship money on the line to professional sports leagues. Like the NBA sponsoring their own e-leagues. The NFL sponsoring their own e-leagues. Even the IOC is considering it for, like I said, the 2024 Olympic Games. Uh, gamers might seem like the most obvious answer. You know, who's going to benefit? Your kids are going to have potential jobs playing video games. So when they give you flack about, man, five more minutes, you're like, time for dinner, Junior. No. Maybe they're, they're elite athletes and you just have to stroke their ego. I don't know. Gamers might not, like I said, seem like uh, the next set of athletes, but given the millions of dollars in prizes given out each year, advertisers, developers, and broadcasters, um, they all might benefit as well. So if you think of a Papa John's or a Domino's or a Coca-Cola or a Jolt Soda or whatever... I don't even know if they make Jolt Soda anymore. But they stand to benefit as people sit in front of video games playing marathon sessions. So the esports ecosystem is growing. The growing market um, is faster than the stock market. It's going to be faster than the GDP of the United States. And it's an area that you have to look at because it's going to create winners and losers. Industry, you know, defining players, so to speak. The gaming nucleus of esports... Um, it has to be probably the games itself. So it's Take-Two Interactive, TTWO, Electronic Arts, ERTS. It's Activision, ATVI. Then there are some Asian players, which you can't quite buy yet. Uh, but that's the nucleus of esports. The spectrum of the strategies you know, that they adopt is obviously going to uh, push the esports scene. And how serious they let it take and or not. Uh, they're sponsoring tournaments. You know, they're kind of getting in on the regional level for sure. The audience is growing. The size of the audience watching esports, not playing, watching. The global reach, growing. The demographic, the psychographic, the behavioral at- attributes are all growing. Uh, the underlying factors right now driving the growth, you know, why... You know, it's obvious, again, that what's driving the growth right now is, is global numbers. It's the demographics. It's the size. It's the, the attitudes. Um, it's an attractive target for brands and for broadcasters. And, you know, if you get a million people watching, it's a million people. And in this day and age of television, you know, a million might not mean a lot for ABC, NBC, CBS, but a million might mean a lot for FX or TNT. So not only will there be the uh, the broadcasters win like Twitch, who is go to twitch.com. It's owned by Amazon, and it's just you people, you watching people play video games. And I'll be honest with you, there's a little bit of appeal there for me because I don't want to spend 80 bucks for the newest, 
Star Wars Republic video game, but I wouldn't mind watching a couple, you know, run-throughs of it just to see, like, what the technology is doing. Um, so Twitch is a big winner. YouTube is a big winner, owned by Google. At Twitch is owned by Amazon. Then you get new players in digital broadcasting like Facebook, potentially Twitter. Then you get old school boys like uh, TBS Networks, uh, Turner, uh, obviously Time Warner Play, ESPN, Disney Play, Canal Plus, a big international player, and their strategies and successes in the space uh, are pretty huge. And then there's going to be the virtual reality opportunity where the games go from video controllers to put something on your head and uh, control the market. So the economics of eSports, electronic sports, we don't know a lot about right now. Again, you want to probably think about an AMD and NVIDIA, an electronic arts that take to an Activision. Then you want to start thinking about, you know, the Twitches and the YouTubes, which aren't obviously going to contribute a lot to the mother or parent company. Uh, so there's a market sizing question. How big can it get? Right now, the answer is bigger. There's growth forecast, bigger. There's regional analysis where it may catch on more so than others. Think of the northeast of the United States when they're covered in snow this winter. You know, maybe it's not as, as popular as it is in Texas or California where we still say, you know what, let's just wear a thicker wetsuit. Let's go surf. So I know you're saying that is the worst California surfer impression I've ever heard. Strategic branding is going to be important. And again, I've given you the winners and losers, so it's something to think about at this point in time. Start thinking, you know, building some case studies in your head and building this out. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me talking Stock Talk Monday and Thursdays with the best of on Friday from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. And then you hear me on my regular show talking market commentary, business, investing ideas, and strategies towards retirement and insurance from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. I always have a seminar coming up. One's coming up real soon. Go to robblackshow.com to see if it's in your neighborhood and use the code RADIO25 to sign up. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Stock Talk with Rob Black. Black. Yeah, no kidding. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, money, investing, and more is what I like to throw out there as a concept idea. But when we're talking stocks, I kind of want to talk stocks. And that's one of the things we do when we do the show Stock Talk, Mondays and Thursdays at 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. And I do replay parts of it here and there, um, in large part so that you can get kind of exposure and know where it is and when it is. You can always subscribe to my podcast by going to robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Right now, the Stock Talk and the Rob Black and Your Money are one podcast. I will break them out at some point when it makes sense, but right now it is one podcast. 
everyone right now seems to have an opinion on the stock market. It's always that way. And I think it will always be that way. Consider the Russell 2000. The Russell 2000 is an index of small cap companies. And you should watch some indexes. You should watch the Russell 2000. You should watch the Wilshire 5000, the Dow Jones Industrial Average 30, the S&P 500. Um, you should get a feel for international markets, how they're doing. It doesn't mean that you put a lot of weight in it. It's just something to see. It's kind of like if you play baseball, you know. What's the weather look like out today? Or football, you know. Do I need my snow cleats or do I need my regular cleats? Um, what's the temperature? You should pay attention when you are in the investment world. If you take a look at the 200-day moving average on the Russell 2000, it broke through a trend line on the bottom. Now, 200 days, you just slowly kind of take a look at the price action of the stock. You throw that down on a graph, and then you take a look at, you spread that out over 200 days. And you can see that, you know, it's kind of went through a double bottom, kind of went through a bottom target that it hasn't broke through in negative downward trends. Um, so it broke through, which means, uh-oh, if this is our barometer, we could be in trouble. Typically, a downside move through an average tells us that the trend in the market may be falling. And that's not good for investors who are long. But in my opinion, you can't always look at technicals and charts and, and know that you're right. It's been right before, but it doesn't mean it's always right. So here's an alternative to that Russell 2000 breaking through the trend. Now, it could be statistically a simple tweak of the 200-day moving average itself. Maybe it's, let's go with the 205-day moving average. This gives us the long-term trend. Maybe you go with 210. You know, a regular simple average is just the sum of all closes for 200 days divided by 200. You know, there's other flavors. So there's other ways of looking at that trend. Uh, the most popular, especially when analyzing long spans of time and large price movements, is the exponentially smoothed or just exponential uh, moving average. So rather than giving each day equal weight, ultimately exponential averages give more importance to recent data. That is logical. That could change the reason why it went up or down. For instance, um, Trump having a bad day might cause the market at when it's just normally going through a healthy correction, it might cause the market to dip a little further. Russia instigating something in the Ukraine might cause the market to dip a little further, but that's not going to affect Russell 2000 stocks, small cap U.S. companies. So when you take a look at the Russell 2000, when it's smoothed out, it looks a lot better. Um, there was a small breakdown last week, but the index bounced right back above it. So we typically see some false breakdowns on technical averages. The background climate between the two time periods is not the same, but the point is ultimately that the index can move above or below the average by small amounts without creating a change in the trend. So just because it breaks resistance either on the upside or downside doesn't mean this is time to go all in. So I want to say that when you take a look at the markets right now, it is important to use a little bit of technical analysis. And when you take a look at a company, any company, take a look at the last 10 years. And I used to use the 2000s as a great example. How did the stock do 
in the big 2000, 2002 correction? Where was its low point? How did the stock do during 9-11? Where was its low point? How did the stock do in the 2008 banking crisis? Um, where was its low level? So when you start thinking like that, you might become a better, more successful investor. Um, you might not, but you might. So uh, you might start seeing like, okay, here's the worst case scenario, because those were three worst cases, right? The great job recession. How did the stock do then? So I don't want to dismiss the 200-day moving average. I don't want to diss it. You know, a good technician is a good technician. But I think the part that I think is incorrect is calling for a market decline based on a small dip slightly below it. I want to see how it did coming back. I want to see it in context of the overall market. You know, when the S&P 500 is less than 2% from its all-time high, having a market pullback, you know, 2 to 3% is not exactly a big pullback. Now, the Russell is small cap stocks and itself dipped 7% at one point in time, and it has to establish a new low and show that it doesn't want to go below it. Um, I think based on evidence and charts, you know, it's okay to be concerned over the decline, but I think it's sometimes a little premature when you start thinking that, you know, technicals are, uh, you know, the new blood, the new, you know, crystal ball into what you should be doing. I don't think that's the case in any way, shape, or form. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. One stock that we've been talking about on Stock Talk a lot is the Amazon of China, Alibaba. One analyst upped his price target on it to 220 bucks, up from 177 That's 25% upside from where the stock closed recently. Um, he said, we think 30 times uh, valuation is warranted. Now, keep in time, typically a company sells at price to earnings of 15 to 20 So this is 30 The analyst says organic revenue for this segment is much higher. Um, 54% in June. Margins remain very high, even while funding large investments. And Chinese consumption growth remains strong. The shift to online is gaining momentum. And Alibaba is the largest direct beneficiary, with a dominant market position and 60% plus margins, while funding significant investments. They think the end markets are higher growth and showing acceleration. They think the traffic growth and personalization is driving meaningful monetization. Uh, the analyst thinks the ad load can be expanded at management's discretion. The analyst thinks the cloud is an earlier stage in China, and AliCloud's dominance may be less contested than Amazon Web Services. And they think the e-commerce adoption in Southeast Asia is accelerating and just beginning. Um, all pretty good thoughts, pretty good flags for why you like a stock. We've talked about Alibaba now for about 40 points on the show. Um, since the show is only about a month and a half old, that's pretty darn good. Um, so take a look at Alibaba, ticker symbol B-A-B-A. And if you want to look at the bigger trend of emerging market internets and e-commerce exchange rate fund, that ticker symbol is E-M-Q-Q. That's E-M-Q-Q. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial stock talk with Rob Black. It's back. It's biggity, biggie back. Take a break. We'll be right back. I was clean. Petra, I was young and an actress when you knelt by my mattress and asked for my hand. But I was sad, you asked it as I laid in a black dress with my father in a casket. I had no plans. 
Call Rob Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Stop Talk with Rob Black. Black. People start hating their jobs at 835. When did you start hating your job? I gotta like my job. The shiny newness of life in the workforce begins to wear off at 35. Older workers tend to be more unhappy in their jobs than younger colleagues. One in six British workers of the age 35 say they're unhappy. More than double the number of those under 35. Nearly a third of people over 55 said they didn't feel appreciated. While 16% said they don't have friends at work. I love, st- I love statistics uh, analysis like this. Um, just throwing it out there for you. Uh, I saw recently a headline that I think kind of shows you how to learn to be an investor. And it was kind of a fun one. And I'm talking stocks and I'm talking investing and trying to make you a little bit better at that. Harvey is going to be the first hurricane to strike Texas since 2008. And um, it's funny because one of the very first investment lessons you start to learn in your life is just dumb and it makes you go, no. And it was tied towards when you were a child, you heard, you know, a moth or a butterfly beating its wings in the U.S. can cause a tsunami in Japan. And yeah, I guess there's a chain of events that maybe that happens. I don't know. But you start looking at weather and investing, and, like, that's when you have cojones. That's when you're kind of a little loco in the cocoa as far as investing goes. Uh, Harvey's set to strengthen its into its first hurricane to strike Texas since 2008. And that's forcing workers off Gulf of Mexico platforms. It's sending cotton rallying and has airlines preparing for flight disruptions. So who knew that there could be such a financial impact to publicly traded companies? It could intensify right up until landfall on Friday. And, you know, we could turn on CNN and get to see their reporters, you know, in their slickers and uh, in rowboats and all sorts of interesting ways to play the Category 1 hurricane at landfall. Um, it could, you know, be a Category 2. Harvey's expected to bring multiple hazards, including heavy rainfall, storm surge, and possible hurricane conditions. So this obviously would be a plus to Home Depot or Lowe's. Let's go get sandbags. Let's go get shovels. Let's go get uh, nails and boards. Harvey's expected to bring multiple hazards, like I said, and Hazards are pricey. It could obviously affect the auto industry. Um, flooding poses risk to operations and businesses that could cause power failures. When Hurricane Sandy hit uh, New York City, it created a situation where you know a lot of subways got flooded that still aren't open today, and they're still being repaired, and it's created a lot of situations where a lot of businesses lost power in skyscrapers and, you know, Work didn't get done. So to give some dramatic, real touch to this, ExxonMobil said it's cutting output in its Hoover production platform in the Gulf of Mexico. The company's also working on plans to evacuate staff and stages from offshore facilities that will be in the path of the storm. Royal Dutch Shell shut down production at its Perito uh, platform. And Darko Petroleum said earlier this week it's removing non-essential staff from some production platforms. And, you know... Chenier Energy activated the severe weather team. Uh, I love stories like this because it just gets you thinking of what can happen. They're saying along the coastline, sea levels could rise five to seven feet above ground level. 
uh, from 10 to 15 inches of rain. That's a lot of rain. So it's going to be a wet storm, and it's not going to move fast after landfall, so it's going to create a lot of flooding. Now, cotton is a big um, crop down in Texas, and I just had my uh-oh moment where um, I was like, I probably can't do that anymore on radio, where when I'm thinking Texas and I think cotton, I, you go, I wish I was in the land of cotton. Like, you can't do southern songs anymore, right? Look away, look away, look away, this land. Well, you can if you say that you can't do it and it's inappropriate. You're kind of flagging it as inappropriately okay. That is not um, appropriate behavior, okay? So cotton is rallying because what's wet cotton? Not fun, right? It's like a wet blanket. American Airlines is allowing people to travel through Houston and nine other cities on certain dates to rebook their flights without a fee because of the storm. United Continental is offering the same in eight cities, while Delta Airlines is offering a similar waiver for Houston. <coughs> so insurance companies stand a lot to lose. Um, State Farm has the largest share in the market for home coverage in Texas. And then Allstate, Farmers Insurance, and United Services Automobile Association, United Services Automobile Association, USAA. So uh, I have USAA, by the way, and GEICO, and I'm more than pleased with my overall coverage. And I update my coverage once a year with at least a courtesy phone call. Um, so I throw that out there. There's another headline that, you know, not only does rain and hurricanes, not only do rain and hurricanes affect the stock market, uh, but another one that could affect the stock market is I saw that the United States has issued a warning on Cancun. And basically they're implying that there's some gang violence that's starting to spill over into parts of Cancun and some innocent bystanders have been killed. So thus you get said warning. So who would be a winner here or who would be a loser? Clearly Mexico would be a loser because of how much money they get from tourism from the United States. The advisory issued upgraded the warnings for two states, Quintana Roo and Baja California, sir saying that the turf wars between crime gangs have led to a surge in violence. Now, a couple of weeks ago, there was a story about be careful on Cancun because a lot of the alcohol is, is tainted. Like 80% of the alcohol is tainted, and Americans sometimes are waking up robbed or violated. So there's resorts of Tulum and Cosmo are located in Quintana Roo. Uh, they get 10 million tourists a year. So who would be a, a winner if these are the losers? The losers, obviously, Mexico and the 200-plus hotels in Cancun and restaurants. Um, hotel occupants in Cancun, Playa del Carmen, and surrounding resorts rose to 78.6% uh, last year from 75% the year earlier. That's a pretty good jump. The airport operator that services Cancun saw its stock slump after five people were gunned down at the Blue Parrot nightclub during an electronic musical festival uh, that was playing in Playa del Carmen. The airport stock rose slightly. Um, after that, but tourism is very sensitive. And I think the winner would be someone like Hawaiian Airlines. Um, in large part, you know, Bank of Hawaii, businesses that are located in Hawaii would obviously say, you know, Americans like, well, I'm not going to Mexico, I might die. So there's winners and losers for everything. And the sooner you can start thinking about that, the better. And again, uh, would I not go to Mexico based on this? I think if I were younger, I would definitely go. 
I think if you're older and have a family, you might go, I don't want to deal with this. I just want to, you know, I've already got the stress of kids. I've already got the stress of the wife wants, you know, uh, pearls that were dove in the bottom of the ocean, retrieved by a diver for oysters. No, I want nothing to do with any of that. Nothing. Nothing. So, um, just throwing it out there, there's always going to be winners and losers. Always going to be winners and losers. Trying to focus again on the stock market and individual stocks. I want to, you know, mention ever so briefly Qualcomm. Um, Qualcomm is embroiled, or embroiled, excuse me. Why did I want to say emboiled? <laughs> they're, they're being boiled, slowly oh, boiled. Why you put, say that? Put the frog in a pot of warm water and slowly turn up the pot. That's that's Qualcomm. Um, it's got a high-profile patent litigation with Apple. The stock is cheap. It pays a 4.3% dividend, and it has the upper hand in litigation, according to some analysts. Uh, Qualcomm designs digital communication products, services, and intellectual property. Qualcomm has three operating segments. It's a fabulous manufacturer of integrated processors, IAPs. Uh, QTL develops uh, wireless communication technology and licenses its intellectual property to manufacturers of wireless devices, primarily smartphones. And QSI is essentially its in-house venture capital firm, and it's not material to the investment thesis at this point in time. But a lot of people see and are scared of the lawsuit that was filed by Apple just days after the FTC filed a similar complaint, Qualcomm stock, you know, fell from its highs in the 60s uh, to its lows in the 50s, where it's been trading for a while, and it gets caught a 4.3% dividend yield. The legal battle is nothing more than an attempt to renegotiate royalty rates on the part of Apple, a lot of people believe. Most of the arguments and the complaints have been raised multiple times in the past and have gone nowhere, like double-dipping. The FTC's decision was clearly rushed, as it was made only three days before presidential inauguration went Two out of five FTC commissioners were not in place. Um, so a lot of people think the FTC claim that Qualcomm is abusing its power is a flawed legal theory. Now, do you invest in legal theories? If you're right and Qualcomm is you know, more innocent than guilty, it's very cheap stock. If you're wrong, oof. So far, Qualcomm has managed to fend off a lot of similar attacks. Nokia initiated a full-blown siege of the company in 2005. It lasted for three years, and Qualcomm survived that largely intact. recent survey uh, of the company with some Chinese antitrust authorities, which capped royalty rates at 3.5% for 4G-only devices and 5% for all types of 3G devices. Um, Qualcomm's current average royalty rate is about 2.8%, so there's a very good chance Apple do minimal damage to Qualcomm's business model. Do you invest in legal issues, even if it looks like it's favoring you? It's a good question. I don't think it's a bad idea. It's just you have to know your risks and you have to know what you're looking at. I'm talking stocks, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Rob Black Show. If you see a seminar there, and there is one there right now, you can sign up for it using the code RADIO25. That's RADIO25.
Join the conversation. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Stock Talk with Rob Black. Black. So a Powerball winner will probably step up and claim the prize soon. One of the largest prizes in the lottery's history. Single, single ticket match to all six numbers out of Massachusetts. Something tells me the person lives in a trailer and has no teeth. Probably is on a ventilator. Probably his favorite food is cheese. Second favorite food is mac and cheese. Third favorite food is Mac. <laughs> True or false, right? Now, what makes you angrier? That person winning? Um, and or the person who just left a ton of money. Who did she leave her money to? $300,000. Who did she leave it to? Two cats. Oh. A wealthy Bronx, New York woman recently died and left part of her fortune to her beloved cats. Uh, she asked that the cats never be caged and well cared for. Um, a former health aide of hers now cares for her cat named Tiger, who she said is a wonderful cat. The cats were like her babies. She divided the rest of her fortune between her two home health aides. How about that for a job? You try to become a health aide of someone who's uber wealthy. And you spin the wheel of luck and fortune or misfortune to see if you uh, get a piece of the action. Now, leaving $300,000 to two cats is not as insulting as what Leona Helmsley, New York hotel heiress, did when she left $12 million to her dog, Trouble. The white Maltese died in 2011 at age 12 in Sarasota, four years after her death. We live in a world where there's dogs that are worth millions and actually have the bank accounts to back it up. Hedge funds right now are flocking to buy Wells Fargo stock. The wounded giant is attracting positive attention from sophisticated investors despite a lot of concerns about the scandal growing. Scandal being employees who open bank accounts illegally, credit card accounts, um, other accounts after you opened up a simple savings account. So they open fake accounts for customers to meet sales goals. Wells Fargo is down 2% this year. Other banks are up about 7%. So that performance discrepancy is what hedge funds may like. Wells Fargo is hardly having a good year. Um, so as far as you know, sexiness to hedge funds, uh, names like Facebook, Amazon, Apple, CR Bard, Alibaba are the sexy names. But sometimes the unsexy underperformer is the winner. If you use a half-and-half half strategy to build a position and add to an existing stake, if you want to buy a 1,000 shares, consider selling puts, maybe. Um, so you could protect yourself on the upside and downside. There's some risk-reversal positions out there. So hedge funds want to make money on the down when bad news hits, but then they want to go long after the sophisticated investors, the unsophisticated investors panicked out. In time, Wells Fargo will emerge from the cloud of scandal, and investors will come to celebrate the stock and the company. 
Um, so it's an interesting play, to say the least. Uh, again, there's risk. What if the United States government says, you know what, we're tired of this. Not only are we going to punish you, we're going to punish you hard. So Warren Buffett, it's one of his key holdings. So um, we'll see. I don't think that thought is terribly off base. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm talking stocks, talking investing, and talking more. Um, anytime Trump makes some disparaging remarks, and recently he's up to it again with, you know, taking a shot at Mexico, it sinks their peso, but not for long. Um, Mexico is obviously part of the world economy. The iShares Mexico capped exchange traded fund, EWW, will move down. You know, Trump will say things like NAFTA trade negotiations could sour. Um, even though it's highly believed that they're expected to be fair negotiations. But you get some Mexican stocks like American Mobile, ticker symbol AMX, CMX, CX, Walmart to Mexico, WMMVY, Grupo Televiso TV, and then you get some like players like Kansas City Southern, which is a U.S. railroad, choo-choo. We got a great big choo-choo heading down the line. So if you think Trump is sometimes talking out of both sides of his mouth or talking just to talk, you might be right. Uh, interesting to note, Gartner, a big research firm, says that they see smartwatches taking over the simpler wristbands in the next five years. They expect smartwatches to rise about 13% of all the wearables this year, 16% by 2021. They think Apple is the company that's going to have the biggest share of any vendor through that period. Um, the firm does not mention Fitbit, even though it is widely expected to unveil a fully-fledged smartwatch any day. Smartwatches are on pace to achieve the greatest revenue potential amongst all wearables through 2021, reaching $17.4 billion. So the new category emerging will be smartwatches for kids, and they'll also see some luxury brands as well. Um, I see a day and age in this world where we do put smartwatches on our kids, and you know we send push alerts, come home for dinner. We send push alerts like, you know, how's school going? Uh, maybe not school going, but Gardner expects kids' smartwatches to represent 30% of the total smartwatch unit shipments in 2021. These devices are targeted children in the 2 to 13 age range before parents provide them with a smartphone. The other subcategory, which is about 25% of the smartwatch unit by 2021, will be the fashion and traditional watch brands, luxury and fashion. So, much smaller than the kids, but... There's a lot to go here. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. This is Stock Talk with Rob Black. closer you get to retirement, the more you need to start thinking about how you can get the most out of your nest egg. Hi, I'm Rob Black. On September 9th, I'll be in San Rafael, along with CFP Chad Burton and attorney Michelle Lerman, for a special event focused on retirement income strategies and estate planning. We're going to help you get a better picture of how to manage your retirement income so that it lasts longer, lets you live comfortably, and protects your family. Which accounts you should draw from first? What's the best way to manage your IRAs and your 401ks? How should you handle your Social Security? 
We'll cover all that and show you how to minimize your taxes. And we'll go over retirement products, which ones are the good ones, which ones to avoid. What if long-term care becomes an issue? That could drain your entire estate if you don't protect it. Just the tip of the iceberg. Join us Saturday, September 9th, 10 to noon at Sheraton San Rafael. Register now at robblackshow.com. For KDOW listeners, we'll waive the $25 fee. Just use promo code RADIO25 when you register. That's robblackshow.com, promo code RADIO25. Hope to see you there. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.